Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. We're here again. I'm Pete. I'm Bob. What's up, Bob? I am, uh, I'm chilling. I am chilling. Like, I feel like that's the right vibe. Good vibe. Yeah, right vibe for in life in general, but specifically <laughs> um, to the band and record we're about to discuss. Um, I got a lot of things to say about this one, Pete. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Let's let's kind of... Well, well, how are you? What if I just said, like, I have nothing to say about I, it? So you, great. you could it's just monologue the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then meat plow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm chilling. I, uh, I, ju- I just... Uh, have you ever done a study group, Bob? Oh, what? Like, like, um, like, like where you get, where you get, where you get, yeah, where you get like yeah. paid to do, like, yes, absolutely, sit in a sit in a group and whatever. Oh yeah. So so, um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying my wife is doing a study group upstairs at the moment, and I just ran upstairs to get some water before this mm. episode. Mm. And all I heard was this woman being like, yeah, you know, the label, I don't know. It communicates to me like strength and positivity. And I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. Um, That's really cool. That's really cool. It's fun. Fun, fun little way to make 200 bucks, you know? For sure. Yo, I used to, um, I worked with two guys who were really good friends of mine and we would go at lunch. (laughs) There was a mall near where we worked and we'd go there, eat at the food court for lunch sometimes. Um, but we would always check to see if they were doing those like uh, research trial things. Just the like, hey, come try this, like product research things. Yeah. It, like a quick way to make. We would never do the ones that were less than. We were like, look, they knew us because we'd, we'd stop in there like twice a week. <laughs> and we'd be like, what do you got? And, and we'd be like, you know our minimum. We're not doing anything under 20 bucks per. Right. And like, uh, I got one for 50 in let's go let's do yeah. this and that's how we'd spend our lunch that day like yeah it didn't matter like if we were starving hungry we we're gonna make 50 dollars by like telling you yes i like the packaging on this nutella self-serve like exactly like thing oh it was so funny yeah we're gonna inject you with this green ooze will you take 75 bucks um, can we get up to 100 yeah, yeah. okay sure 100 right. okay yeah, yeah. cool um, yeah, I, I said. I realized I said study group. I meant focus group, but yeah, focus group. Yes, hence yes. the confusion. Yeah, study group. I'm thinking like, oh yes, in college, I think. Um, but <laughs> you what, studied what? in college? Barely. Um, yeah. Uh, that's a that's another story for another time. But uh, <laughs> in college, Pete, I had a core group of friends. Man, this is so funny because um, Abby Ryan. What was her name? I think her name was Amanda. She was on the outskirts, the other girl. But like, like it couldn't have been a more, it was very breakfast club of us. Like it was completely, it was the people who were humanities majors who had to take a Spanish class every day. Like for all four, in California, you have to take Spanish four years of college level spanish uh if you're a humanities major Hmm. um who opted to take the 8 a.m class that ran monday through thursday like for an hour instead of like two hour class or like uh whatever two days a week yeah no no we'll do the monday through thursday i think it was just monday through thursday i don't think we did fridays um from 8 a.m to or it might even been early or something it was like it was dumb it was so 
And our I, I was that guy too. Yeah, our professor was maybe because I, I went I skipped college for a few years and then went back. I believe she was the same age as me. Um and she basically just became our friend. <laughs> we <would> just <laughs> hang out. Like so I have to explain it to people. I'm like, yeah, so while I was in college, I had you know, I, I had this job working at a record label and like was doing stuff involved in music and had all this like thing. And, um, but then I had this group of people who I went to school with who I probably spent as much time with as, as anyone else. They all called me Robert, um, except Abby. She liked to call me Rob and I didn't particularly care about correcting her because whatever. Um, <laughs> and it was really funny. And it was like, the funniest mix of people and I miss them in a dear way, but that would be my study group. But, uh, it, it was, it was a really funny thing in juxtaposed because it was like, not by any intention, but there was never a, never the twain shall meet element. Sure. It was like, wait, what do you do? Oh, you, you work at a record label and you like put out records and you put on shows and do the, that's okay, man. Like, but they weren't, <laughs> not in a negative way. They were curious about what I was doing because they were like my friends, but they weren't like, they weren't, they weren't invested in a like, Oh, tell us all about this kind of way either. So it was always, it was always fun. Right. And they also, they also weren't assessing uh, Nutella packaging with you for 50 bucks a pop. No, no, no. That's shout out to Jason and Michael. That's, that was a, uh, oh, man, you <laughs> know, so funny. Oh, that's only in hindsight. That was only like four or five years later, but I might as well have been, I might as well have been on a different planet. Wow, Pete, <laughs> Pete you, you got me tripping like I'm on acid. Let's let's get into what the record of the day is. So let's go back to 1994. Um, take it a few years, I think, back from what we're talking about. Uh, a solid uh, t- decade, twelve-ish, <laughs> yeah. more beyond. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about the Stone Temple Pilots record, Purple. Purple. Um, so reason we're doing this one mm. is because we're this is a continuation, man. We're going yeah. down the '90s rabbit hole. Um, Pete, have you ever been to Mount Rushmore? No. Okay. So when you get there, um, I went, I think when I was a kid, I was there, but I was, you know, barely conscious of it. Uh, I went again 13 years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Um, 14 years ago. Uh, and I went a couple years back, um, with with my son and and partner and all that stuff and uh so you get there and it's i've seen it grow is what i'm kind of getting to but um but you get there you park there's a big parking lot whatever it's almost like a parking structure at this point and then uh, you walk up and so then there's mount rushmore you see this the, the the president faces and all that shit on the walk up though is a is a basically like you know pathway that on either side is all 50 state flags. And I think, you know, whatever state flags, basically. Okay. We did what we, we said, not so politically correct or not, whatever, who cares? It's a giant hunk of rock with some weird dude's faces. (laughs) Um, The Mount Rushmore of grunge. Yep. Is stone temple pilots 
deserving of a place up there or should they just be one of the flags on the pathway? Well, here's the deal, Bob, and I'm going to pitch it back to you. Oh, are they even a grunge band? Um, man. Uh, so, um, yes, they are. Okay. Barely. I I was talking Uh, to, I was talking to my wife about this and she was like, isn't grunge like Seattle specific? And I was like, that's a good point. Well, but, but like, it's sort of like, how much of the time was Soundgarden actually spending up in, in Seattle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, no, the, it's, a, it's a great point, but I, I have a feeling the uh, Seattle was a starting point and it's sort of like, hmm, there are other bands who loosely get equated in who are also not from Okay, good good point. Is Silverchair a grunge band? I mean, yeah, but that was like they're from Australia. They're you could consider them post grunge, but like, yeah, yeah, sonically, that was, that they're, was, there. That, sonically they're there. But that, yeah, that's what about live? So. Is live grunge? <laughs> I don't think they are. I think they're post, but they're from weird Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? Like, are from they like, weird Pennsylvania? That makes they're sense. They're from like Lancaster or something like that. Uh, okay. You know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So Throwing no copper, great record. I <laughs> oh think maybe <laughs> add it to the lists. Yeah, <laughs> add it to the tally. Um, so uh, Stone Temple Pilots, yes, they're a grunge band, but I have uh, I'll put some uh, I'll put some additional thoughts on that as we go. Yeah, um, I have some I have three big theses that I'll pitch out in the. Oh man, you brought study group in, and I'm all I'm academic <laughs> as hell today. So. Um, Pete, do they deserve to be on the mountain if they yeah. are a grunge band? You, you no, think so? No, 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 no. They're not. They're not on the. They're not on the Mount Rushmore. They're. They're one of the flags for they're sure. The flag on the pathway. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. I mean the the Mount Rushmore. Off the top of my head, it would have to be um, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, maybe. Uh-huh. Probably. Yeah. I think that would have to be it. You do you include? You don't include Soundgarden. Ah oh, fuck. Which is okay because there's four four folks up on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so they're in there too. That's that, it, and that's the four we did. That that shows that I don't know anything about Mount Rushmore, Yo, nor do I, I care. I, no, who gives a rant's ass? It's a funny I have, idea. I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about Mount Rushmore for so long <laughs> that I that I I you almost didn't even know I, how many things. I were almost up there. had to look it up and be like, "What is that again?" <laughs> which which is pathetic but no it's okay i, like I remember it. my my dad drove out there with my brother at one point and his report and he told me this story like 10 times for some reason because he was so unimpressed he was like man uh-huh. you have, he was like you have to drive like two hours out of the way which i'm sure is an exaggeration um and then you get there and it's just like not as big as you expect it to be oh i mean it's so it's really big you could think it would be bigger, but um, I think the detail is pretty impressive of it. Um, it is sort of out of the way. You do, I mean, significantly more impressive is, um, oh, what is the, it's a, uh, I stayed at Custer State Park when I was there. It's Black, Black, Black Hills. Um, yeah, Black Hills. It's the Black Hills of South Dakota. There's a bunch of parks there and they're all like incredible. Custer State Park is unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. Um, strong recommend for the travelers out there. 
Mount Rushmore, uh, Pete, how much time do you think you need there? I mean, 30 minutes, absolute maximum. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking if I, if there's like a hiking trail and I can go to the top, like I'll do that, but, and that might be a little longer, but I think you could, and that could be neat. I would probably do that. But like, if you just want to go check it out, it's literally like a, you you could do a pit stop and which go is look yeah and, which is which know. is all of those monuments you know I mean all of that stuff yes. in my in my experience if you go to see the touristy kind of thing yeah you you sit there for five minutes and you're like all right so like are we done now or is there anything else to do here yeah so yes I, I think I'm with that all right so uh, they are a flag on the pathway to the Rushmore of grunge Pete. What is your personal experience with Stone Temple Pilots and maybe more specifically this record, Purple? So um, I had Core, their first album. Of course. And I had Purple. Um, I never got as far as the third record, but I had um, Core and Purple. I think I probably bought both of them after Purple came out. Because okay. I remember, um, which was 1994, yep. I remember Vaseline, the music video for Vaseline was on MTV, like on a on a continuous loop, loop yep. at that point. Yep. Um, and a little later, Interstate Love Song, same deal. Yep. Um, to the point where it probably ruined that song for me at the time, but um, which was a tendency of MTV at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, had both of the records... Honestly, if I went back to core now, I don't know that I would remember most of it because I was mostly listening to purple. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I feel like I probably had a love affair with this record for about a year and a half and then just moved on to other things because when I revisited this for this episode, I knew the hits, I knew certain kind of, you know, deeper cuts, Mm -hmm. but a few of the songs I was like, I don't remember ever hearing this song. Like it, I had no memory of it. So, um, cool record. I was into it back then, but like, then I just dropped it for 30 (laughs) years. So, so, I mean, it's interesting relationship with Stone Temple Pilots, I guess, but yeah, I mean, familiar with the band, obviously. I mean, they were unavoidable at the time. What about you? Uh, giant, giant fan. Um, okay. Loved core, loved purple. Um, Tiny music I really liked, um, but that was it for me. I, I kind of stopped there. I knew some of the later hits, but um, I celebrate tiny music too. So, so la di da, Shangri la di da. But Corn Purple are where it starts. I was into it um, at the moment. I think I got Purple right as it came out, and then got Core afterwards. Uh, I couldn't believe how much of this record I remembered, but I, I never pulled this out of rotation um, fully, except for maybe the past decade. You know, the past 10 years, I haven't really sat with STP, but it was still a record like that I would occasionally throw the CD in my CD book back when those were a thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I had an affinity for it. I always thought they were an interesting band. I always enjoyed them. Um some level of singularity uh, in certain aspects, even though other things lean heavy into different areas. Um, so yeah, no, I, I like them more than maybe I think I should. So um, 
Yeah, I, I, I so to save a level of familiarity, hi. So let's get into <laughs> it. Before we do, I have three theses I want to throw out at you. Okay. One, this record uh, and this band, Stone Temple Pilots, very close to me uh, as in my heart, but also in some ways proximity. Do you know uh, the geographic story of Stone Temple Pilots? Geographic you, story, no. So um, the brothers Dean and Robert DeLeo. Okay. Uh, born in Morse, uh, where, uh, Montclair, New Jersey. Oh, were wow. then raised in Point Pleasant Beach and went to Point Pleasant Borough High School. No way. Yes. Scott Weiland, uh, born in Northern California, lived in Ohio for a while, went to high school in Huntington Beach with people I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Look uh, at a, that. A dear friend of mine went to high school with Scott Weiland in Huntington Beach. And so I lived, and then he also went to um, Orange Coast College, which is the uh, you know community college um, in Orange County that I went to before going to UC Irvine. So me and Scott Wallen, Orange Coast College alum, like many of the gro- gr- greats. Um, Look at that. I know. So I, I felt a significant kinship in this East Coast, West Coast, Atlantic Pacific, Point Beach, Huntington Beach connection completely wild do you know the story of how stone temple pilots started nope all right scott wyland and dean DeLeo. is it dean no robert DeLeo. uh no i think it's dean let me see this hold on um met at a black flag show in 1985 it's robert DeLeo in long beach california so a late era <laughs> black flag concert in 85 by the way um, they were discussing their love interest and f- realized they were dating the same girl. <laughs> How is that real? Feels like it's made up, but okay, we'll roll with it. STP. Yeah, yeah. Developed a bond, obviously. And then when the girl decided to move out of her San Diego apartment, they moved in together in her old apartment. That sounds like an apocryphal story, but hey, we'll I completely go, we'll, agree. We'll but, go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you know what STP used originally stood for before it became the gibberish that is Stone Temple Pilots? Um, no, I don't. Pete, let's play complete this wor- sentence. Shirley Temple's. Ah, uh, oh, got it. We're gonna avoid the NC seventeen rating on this episode. I'm, um, I'm, I'm glad they stuck with us or well, shifted it to, to uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. So, um, although, that is the although it answers my question of like, I, I always thought this band name was like, what the fuck? What does this mean? This Literally is just to nonsense, explain, dude. It's so ridiculous. Um. But hey, they it's all the, they took the name Stone Temple Pilots because of the fondness for the initials STP. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. They were just like that'll look so cool on a gas station jacket. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> oh, um, see, I'm, I'm actually though I'm impressed that you said that they met at a Black Flag show and they had some punk affiliations because in my head, what band was it that we talked about? Uh, this was like a year ago. Mm. Um, some band similar ilk, but like had like hair metal roots. 
Oh, Alice in Chains? Alice in Chains, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, you would have assumed I, that. I, I would mean, have assumed that, yeah. I mean, look, SDP, th- that story's from 85, then they don't start till 89. Uh, there's a significant amount of hair metal in these bands' well, yeah, DNA. But for sure, but that's, that's see, that's the distinction for me, and I'm not going to go too deep on this. Mm. That's the distinction. You can tell that there's like L.A cock rock in Ooh, here okay so we are going to thesis two we'll get into as we go through this record it's the grunge equation and the final thesis is stone temple pilots the heirs to the throne of guns and roses <laughs> so i think we're in a similar place um anything you wanted to ask or talk about before we go track by track um, I think I think we're good. Let's just go in. <laughs> we got enough meat plow. Wow, a great song title. Um, it opens with like so much balls. On a monopia. What's a meat plow? That riff is a meat plow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like super grimy rock vibe. Um, but when the chorus comes in, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme, you can tell like there's more melodics going on there. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's this it's this. I don't want to say perfect combo because I don't know that it's like a combo that should generally happen, but like, it's like these grimy LA, like big rock riffs, but Mm. then they have these like kind of bigger, almost stadium melodic choruses going on. Yeah. And that actually, to me, I found out is what, sets them apart from a lot of the bands of the time yes and why they were so big but but anyway i mean i do see a lot of similarities here with alice in chains at least on this song and the vocals in particular um and with some of the riffs but it's 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 a good opener i mean it's it's it shows that there's something to kind of bite into here there's some meat on this record it's a meat plow um you get yes there's this big churning riff uh, this song might be a little too long, um, just to sure. put it out there. You get the Scott Weiland signature vocals. He he's got range, but you really <sighs> get his his sound right here. Um, song length might be a recurring theme as we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, the chorus is off kilter compared to the rest of the song, and you're right, big. Um, now, what I heard because you're right, there's some LA riffing. But it's also kind of that decidedly grunge, heavy, big guitar alt. But then it's left like, but wait, what? What's going on with that tambourine there too? Right, you know, like, right, right. And there's a lot of the, that on this record oh, too. Oh yeah. Um, but I like this song a good amount, and it's kind of, it's definitely a as far as an opener goes, like a 
hey, we're we're media res, you know, like let's get it going right now. Like it's not they're not gonna ease you into the record. It's just push play, here it is. So my one question, since you're more familiar with core, because I don't remember that record really at all, if I'm being honest, is this sound more reminiscent of core? Yeah. Yes and no. Core and purple are kind of like they're more similar than they are different. Um, how do I say this? Sometimes bands end up putting out records where it feels like, oh, you you felt like you were onto something, so you then tried to like not replicate it, but work a similar path to even better results. Yeah. So Dead and Bloated and Meat Plow are similar in terms of like being big, like kick you in the gut openers, okay. you know? Um, but both records have like their weird kind of more ballady records. I'd say core is a little darker and a little harder than that's purple. what I remember. Yeah, it is. And I think that's still, why it didn't resonate with me at the time. There's still songs off the, you know, wicked garden creep and plush are all like, those are singles, but they're all kind of like they, they, you know, downer vibes. Yeah, it, I mean, but but also softy vibes. You know what I mean? Like they still have those big choruses and stuff, like really pop accessible, like the whole thing. So okay, um, still LA on on the record. Okay, all right. Um, so speaking of Vaseline, so like I mentioned in the intro, I mean, this is one of the two songs on this record that was like inescapable back then. Um, if you were around for for this band at yes. their height. Um, that being said, I mean, I really liked this song. I really liked it at the time. It just, it kind of wore out its welcome because I heard it so much. But that being said, like now I, I, I don't feel like I hear stone temple pilots on the radio as much. And maybe I'm just not listening to the radio. Um, yep. Or just like, but, it, but I mean, I don't even know yeah, if they're I don't know. playing I don't know it like targets or no, like Walmart. So, you know, like, no. I don't, I don't think so. So like, I really just don't hear them around as much. And this song, having not heard it in a long time, I was like, this is a good song. It's like, it's really driving. It has a catchy chorus. Yep. There's like, there's cool instrumentation, like you mentioned in the first song going on in the background that kind of sets it apart from a lot yep. of the bands at the time. Um, I will say, and this is just like an interesting caveat, there's this bridge between the second chorus and the guitar lead. Mm-hmm. that I had no rec- recollection of. And in my head, I'm like, maybe that's because I was just hearing like the radio edit the whole time. Oh, and like, right. I missed this part, you know? So I don't know. That was just an interesting kind of realization for me. For Vaseline, but, it's all about that riff. Like, yeah, it's featured just as much as Wyland as a vocalist. Um, and to say his vocals here are big and catchy in this like, odd sort of slow way until the they catch up at the choruses and hit that kind of driving pace with it yeah um it feels like new age hippie chant grunge music like (laughs) it's just like repetitious in the best way um well that's the i mean this record is kind of psychedelic uh there's elements of that like yo can we make connections between like site this is this is our our task and i think you're a good person to do it make the connections between psych rock and hair metal 
Oh, geez. I mean, and then or or psych music and grunge because hair metal comes in there and it might not be funneling through. It's not funneling through there, but it's funneling through something else. And then grunge puts those things together. Yeah. Because like, think about this also. There's these huge excessive solos and leads on this record that are like pure LA scum metal wanking, you know? Yeah, for just sure. Just like Alice in Chains has, you know, like these like, <laughs> like let's, let's show them how to do it, you know? Yeah, but like, but but here in Vaseline, it's like it's no, it's a I, I it's like this it. it's this big riff, but it's also it sounds like it could just be like on a loop, right? Oh, because it, yes. it's, it's it's not just dun, dun, dun. I yeah. Mean, yes, that's and, why and, it's and, and that used way, like that, you know. And in that way, it's super psychedelic because it's just it's it's you kind of get into this vibe of it, this zone of it. So yeah, I mean, there's something there. Um, we'll dive into that maybe later. And, and you literally like. There's uh, several songs off this record that you couldn't escape being smashed over the head with a buzz bin of it, you know. Yeah. Um, from radio and then from radio and MTV, it just was in your face. Vaseline ha- was one of them. I have this vivid recollection of um, uh, being at friend of the pod John Devlin's house. I mean, I had to have been like eleven or twelve or something, right. and this song was the number one video on like the MTV countdown for, I swear like eight months. And I remember being like actively enraged when this came on as number one, because it had been number one for like three months already. And I was so tired of it. Uh So yeah, that was funny. That's, that's about right. Um, lounge fly, Pete first crush where's Tabitha sword. So, so for people who don't know, there was MTV News, and this was one of the MTV News uh, like sound clips they used part of this song. Yeah. So, um, my take is this song is entirely too long. Um, Definitely too long. It's where you hit Stone Temple Pilots doing this thing that I call slimy dive bar snake charmer music. <laughs> they hit that a couple points on this record. Um, Please oh, note, God, I really like a, it. That's such a great. I love it. I love it. I was I was looking for that as mm. I was writing notes and I couldn't find it, but you nailed it. Uh, there's a redeemable chorus, um, and it's uh, this song in my head has always been kind of a character making cut track. Like it's like okay, it helps the flow. It helps this album be what it is. Not totally necessary 
despite me saying like, yeah, there's some redeemable elements. Yeah. I mean, like, so correct me if I'm wrong. There's no song like this on core. No. Yeah. I mean, cause I remember core being pretty straight up like rock record. So, and maybe I'm wrong again. I have, I have to revisit, but like, but for this one, this to me, I, I don't love it. Um, but at the same time, I appreciate them kind of going out on a limb. It does seem like this record was a, a was like a true kind of turning for them in terms of just trying new things. And some of them worked and some of them didn't. Yeah. I don't I don't particularly think that this song worked. But at the same time, like I don't know. You look back at classic rock bands that they were probably looking back to you look at zeppelin you look at you know sabbath you look at Mm -hmm. all these bands they were doing weird shit like this on their records too right so like they were probably just saying like we need to split up the record we need to do different types of songs we can't just be doing the same kind of loud rock thing so in that way like i get it but yeah it's it's too long it's not great i don't love it i might cut it but i understand it i guess i guess um, interstate love song. So this one, even more than Vaseline, um, was like the mega hit from this record. I mean, this isn't just the mega hit from this record. I would make an argument that this is undeniably in the top 20 songs of the 90s. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and that's all genre and guitar music top 10. Yeah, Easily? I mean, it, it was like, I remember it being used on all kinds of commercials. Like, Everything. it was just inescapable. Everything. And it's the, ugh. this is a fun game for us to play at some point, is you can pick only one song, but it has to be the song you use to define a band. This is it for Stone Temple Pilots. Interesting. You know what I mean? And it's like, does it mean it's their best song? Maybe doesn't mean it's the one that's inextricable like it's like it smells like teen spirit for nirvana you know like yeah is that the best nirvana song ah no i have to think about it more but like is it the most well though it's also the one that broke them it broke music it's like (laughs) did break music it's like it's like holy shit like this is not smells like teen spirit there's not five other songs outside of teen spirit that were bigger than this song in guitar rock music in the nineties. Like you have, maybe I could hear an argument for Jeremy. Uh, maybe there's an REM song. Um, I mean, but does this, this song is like so much bigger than Jeremy in my mind. Am I wrong? I think it is. I think it is. It's right there. I, yeah. I, it is bigger than Jeremy. Jeremy was a really big song. I mean, big, big, Even but this, flow, this, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I yeah. Know, I mean, right? I'm not, I'm not denying those songs are huge. I'm just saying like this, this, this song huge. feels like it's, it's everywhere like next level in a way. Yep. No, it really was. Um, is this a track Pete? I think it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean I, like, like I, I honestly, it's like Vaseline where to my point before, I feel like it's, this song is not on regular rotation anymore. Yes. And in that way, like when it came on, I was, it was endearing. I was like, I was like, this fucking song is awesome. I was in. Yeah. And, and it's a really good song. Uh, I feel like you're kind of on a journey. It's a sad journey, but also maybe fun. Um, 
So it's like a romping good time through depression. <laughs> Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, so no, I I think it's a an awesome song. It, yeah, uh, like it's and and like the length thing. I mean, a lot of the songs on this record, you already said, kind mm-hmm. of overstay their welcome. This one this really one does doesn't. Not, no, 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 yeah. no. It, it hits. It yes, it's it's also probably the most accessible of these songs and it's 314 yeah it's perfect length um i think i even say that longer as i go through here um yeah i I think it's a great song it's the best song on the record and probably the best stone temple pilot song so wow is that a hot take i don't even know i don't think it is no i don't think it's probably not it's it's kind of a it's a it's a cold take to be honest um (laughs) like if i said tripping on a paper hole um what's this big song off that um Maybe it's tripping. Uh, that would probably be a much hotter take. There is a song, that, the single off that record is really good. Um, off Tiny Music. Yeah, Tripping on a Hole. Yeah, In a Paper Heart. I love that song. I, I um, remember that record having like tracks, but. Has at least three, but as many as six tracks that I am like, these are good. So okay. maybe we'll put Tiny Music on a uh, 2023 listen for us i'm down um from the high of interstate love song still remains i'm very curious what you think of this song yeah i mean it's it's tough after <laughs> interstate love song but um honestly i like this song overall i think okay, i cool. like the chorus a lot um it's less dirgy yep. um and i honestly the less dirgy that they are on this record the better for me um but that being said in terms of overstaying its welcome, this song like really goes on too long. It meanders at a certain point. It just feels totally half baked. That's it's like true. they didn't, they didn't know how to finish it or something. It just feels like there's something missing in the song overall, but I like the chorus. It's cool. It's like a, it's fine. Um, and, and coming off interstate love song again is like, it's tough. So to me, I remember this one and I remember always going, oh, I like coming into the song off Interstate Love Song. Um, it would be a really good B-side for Interstate Love Song. Sure. Um, I always like the one line, the, if you should die before me, then ask if you can bring a friend. Yo, it's so cheese. <laughs> but I do like it. Um, this is perhaps Wyland's least spectacular vocal stuff on the whole record because okay. the verses yeah. get that kind of like shanty style la di da da di da da like do 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 like the back and forth that just uh half-baked is the right term and i wasn't getting to that in my head but i was like this is just not it doesn't feel as fully formed as as many of the songs on this record do but i like it i wouldn't cut it cool yeah, I don't think I'll cut it, but it's it's like a C plus song for for the for the non cuts. Pretty penny. So I mean, I mentioned that they are kind of separate. Stone Temple Pilots are kind of separate and apart from the quote unquote grunge bands of the time, and this is a song that to me kind of proves that they're just like mm-hmm. they're not in the same camp. I mean, this is like. It's it's an acoustic kind of psychedelic feel. It's definitely more 60s and 70s psych influence yep. than anything else. It's like the Stone Temple Pilots doing the incredible string band or something. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, which like 
I actually kind of like it. No, um, but I, and I should clarify, I kind of like the song too. Before I get into where I'm going to go, yeah, I mean, I I kind of like it. It's just at a certain point, I feel like they're going too far out on a limb, mm. trying new things. Which is not to say they don't work. It's just that sometimes the record feels a little bit disjointed in that way. Um, so I guess that's what I'll say. So you you actually said something that I hadn't thought about in terms of like core and purple. Um, when I look back on it now with with hindsight and seeing where they went to with Tiny Music, I think that they were looking at purple as sort of this transition record. Mm-hmm. Um, and songs like Pretty Penny are part of that. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is this is kind of Snake Charmer track too. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of that energy. Uh, I love that. That said, I think the vocals and music sync up really nicely here. There's sometimes a texture between them that works, but you can feel strained. This this one, they, they kind of are aligned. They're definitely attempting a more 60s thing. They cop to later taking on like a real like, Beatles influence for tiny music that I never totally heard, mm. but I think they're hinting at it with stuff like pretty penny. Um, it doesn't, it's like an attempt at that, but it doesn't hit that way. Totally sonically. Um, and I think you can hear it in Wyland's vocals, what he's trying to do with the pretty penny was her name. Like it's just it doesn't hit, but I, I, it's there. Um, and I think they continue from Pity, Pretty Penny would fit well on Tiny Music, but it wouldn't fit on Core. That makes Interesting. sense. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Silver Gun Superman, a song I forgot existed till this listen. This sounds like a Velvet Revolver song. Yo, let me let me tell you something really quick. Velvet Revolver. I got no Great. time. I got no time for Velvet <laughs> Revolver. I got no time for Velvet Revolver. I mean, this song came on, and I was like, "This sounds like this. This is what I presume Velvet Revolver sound like." I only know the hits. I never <laughs> heard the record, but it's just like. But here's the thing, dude. It kicks in. Yes. With the Velvet Revolver vibe. <laughs> And then, like, just that scummy L.A., yes, like yes, you're saying, like, yep. like post Guns N' Roses, or I guess, like, yes. Guns N' Roses contemporaries at the time um, doing their thing. But then the chorus is a different thing. Yes. So, to me, there's a version of this song that rips. It's not the one they recorded for this record, though. Um, hard, snarling riffs to open, that churning energy but then you get this giant flourishing chorus. Um, the song goes on a solid minute and a half too long of just pure wanking, like 
<laughs> but <laughs> rock fact, hair yeah. metal excess side. Yep. And that leaves this song feeling halfway, just like mm. elements of it I like, but it's it it would be a it would be. We don't have to strip the house down to studs, but we're redoing the kitchen and all the bathrooms. If that makes sense here, um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing here is like the there's there's guts of it that are great, actually. Um, the chorus is so good. It's like this big room sing along mm-hmm. essentially, but like the scummy LA rock part of it is so off putting to me that yeah. ultimately I'm cutting this song, Bob. I'm not going to fight it because I think it's, it's too bloated. Um, no pun intended, but it <laughs> does make me bring up my other thesis here the grunge equation. So what makes grunge? We talked about it, right? Um, Some people would say it was a sonic response to the hair metal era. Yeah. You know, that was this kind of polished, like shiny version of something that wasn't, there was like a simulacra of metal, but it wasn't really metal. Um, and people could argue about that, whatever. Um, it was like pop sensibilities applied to music, like underground music for, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might say it's purely a geographic thing. I, I think it kind of expanded. It's like, yeah, was did thrash metal come from the Bay? Largely. But there was other thrash metal out there. You know, there was other things that weighed in, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I think there is a part of grunge, Allison Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. Look, uh, outside of Nirvana, I think it's hard to deny that stadium level, like rock music, influenced grunge as much as the underground. And that's where we get to the grunge equation where it's like, is it equal parts influence from more aggressive, more underground sounds, whether it's punk music, hardcore music, uh, just like noise, ugly, alternative college rock type stuff, or a metal? So is it like half that, and then the other half is this awareness of 70s guitar rock whether it's Psych or it's Big Riff, whether it's Kiss or, you know, Sir Lord Baltimore, or if it's even because certainly Allison Chains, certainly Stone Temple Pilots, and even Soundgarden, they're not afraid of the hair metal comparisons. No. You know, and, and so Nirvana, less so, but like, Soundgarden was taking those Guns N' Roses tours. Stone Temple Pilots was taking those Guns N' Roses tours, you know? Like, these bands were like, yeah, sure, we'll play to those people. They could like our band. Sure, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's kind of part of the grunge equation. I'm asking the audience as well as you, what else factors in? I don't know. That's tough. But so chew on it because that's where I think we're at. The grunge equation is a hard one. I can't say that it's purely geographic, but I also think 
sonically it's hard to totally nail it down without you can't ignore some of the things that are there like we can't say oh grunge was like the evolution of punk music like kurt cobain cites all these references and things he loved and you can hear that nirvana sound but you don't always hear that in all the nirvana's material and you certainly don't hear that in stone temple pilots well that's that that's the thing man i mean like i as i've mentioned i think in previous episodes i like reject i reject the premise of the question where it's like grunge in and of itself is just this catch-all term for the whole thing i'm not convinced that if there's just a a sound right there's yeah i mean well there's a sound but like stone temple pilots to me actually kind of sit firmly apart from the seattle bands in a way we're like agree but think about this who's further away from nirvana stone temple pilots or pearl jam is pearl jam sound closer to stone temple pilots than it is nirvana's yes uh, is Allison Chain sound I don't, I don't, I closer? I don't know that I. I don't know that I agree. Dude, I th- I, oh I, I, no! I, you're going to get to I, this theory. I'm going to tell you this. Nir- <laughs> Nirvana is the outlier. I mean, I'll agree with that. Which for is, sure. Which then you go. Wait a second. Wait a second. Pearl Jam doesn't sound much like Allison Chains. A little bit more like Soundgarden, but not totally. There's certain parts, and there's elements of Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam that I could get more close but still not exact. Allison Chains and Stone Temple Pilots, there's some overlap. Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, there's overlap. Overlap. Yeah. Soundgarden and Allison Chains, overlap. Yeah. But then there's but there's some things that Stone Temple Pilots are doing that are unique to them where 100%. it's like they ha- they have like this LA swagger. I know they're yes. San Diego, but like there's this swagger to them that like the Seattle bands just don't have. And like I I think particularly on Tiny Music if I'm if I remember any of those songs, but it's like, I just remember their, their aesthetic was so different. And that, that's oh, kind well, of, that's kind of a thing that we like, don't talk about much, yeah. but like, but, but when you think about the bigger kind of picture of it, like I see stone temple pilots, if we're looking big picture with their sound and their aesthetic and the whole thing, it feels more like they're taking more from like the stooges in a way. Um, than 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 any of the grunge bands like like Seattle grunge bands were. No, no, no. You're, you're you could you could be onto something there. Um, like it's glammy in this way glammy, that, that, no, that none of the Seattle bands were pink doing. Boas and all that. Um, and the the Snake Charmer riffs, Snake Charmer riffs, and like the thing to remember about Tiny Music is Tiny Music comes out in '96. By that point, Pearl Jam is solidly into their rocking in the free world era, you know? <laughs> um, Soundgarden's nascently in some, you know, they're working their way through what they're going to do. Um, what is that, down on the upside era? Yes. Okay. Which I, I vibe on. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, Stone Temple Pilots definitely have Viper Room energy. Um, for example, Mighty Joe Young was the band that would eventually kind of evolve into Stone Temple Pilots, and their first show was opening for Henry Rollins at the Whiskey. So, yeah, I mean, that you know. sounds right. But here's here's something I want to know. I'm pretty sure when you look through this, Stone Temple Pilots are this weird band who, in terms of touring, they toured with some of the big rock acts who were like legacy acts from the, the 80s. You know, did they tour with Guns N' Roses? I think they might have done some of those shows. Um, 
but then they also like like went on to tour with the new metal bands of the early 2000s and like late 90s like they did this weird bridging where they had a very accessible sound um that just kind of it's it is really different it stands out on its own in the in the under the grunge umbrella but that's that's kind of the thing I, I think is part of it. I, I agree. There's not a grunge sound, but we could Venn diagram something that would that could kind of we could you know chart these things. You know, like what what percent of uh, Kiss is in this band sound? Zero? Okay, ten percent? Okay, we could figure something out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The grunge equation. That was a, yeah. a, a detour, but that's because the song Silver Gun Superman kind of sucks. So. Um, <laughs> Big Empty, um, <laughs> which is another big single. Yeah, big single. Um, if I remember, I think this was on the Crow soundtrack, right? Um, yes. So this one, um, this feels to me like, from what I remember, the bridge between Core and Purple. Like, and and this kind of encapsulates that. Um, it seems like an in between where it's like the heavy is still there, but like the kind of experimental, like huge stadium chorus is there too. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's, again, like with them, there's always a different element that much of the like grunge bands weren't doing. There's slide guitar, there's interesting experiment or instrumentation that these other bands weren't doing. So I think this is a great song. Um, I still really like it. So yeah. Big, big fan of the song. Um, there's a little bit of vocal vehicle energy that I hear just because Wyland's going wild on this one. Um, I do like it when they go soft. Uh, it kind of works well with it. It also hits those heavy crunch parts. Um, I don't know if this song still plays well for everyone, but I, I always have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this at the time when I was listening to it, just... Mm-hmm. Being that these songs, I think we agreed that they're not in regular rotation anymore. I have to think that, you know, there is nostalgia for the 90s. You know, you see people wearing Nirvana shirts. You oh, see yeah. people, you know, getting excited about like Soundgarden reissues or whatever. But like, it's like, if is there any young kid hearing this that's excited about it? Because oh. to me, it, it feels so firmly of a time. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, uh, yeah there's I don't, not right. I don't like, think I'd be really, really surprised. Like they must think their their mom's younger brother is just like the coolest uncle in the world if they really right. care about STP. Correct. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. All right. Let's 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 kick through. We only got a couple more songs, track to track. Unglued. Uh, it's, this is more of a driving song. Yes. Um, I don't love the verses, but the choruses again, like great recurring chorus. theme for me. Choruses are great. Verses don't so much work for me. I like the break guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's all right. It's fine. Ultimately, uh, yeah, more up tempo. It's pushing. Yo, one thing I noted: the drums on this record. They almost never move to a true faster pace, but they also don't ever go super slow. He's just kind of in this mid-tempo pocket the whole time. Yeah, 
Yeah, that sounds that sound right. right. It doesn't seem like a particularly like he does some neat stuff here and there, but but like, yeah, um, I, I like unglued a good amount. Catchy chorus, yeah, really pulls me in. Lots of good fills and stuff from the drummer, but like, yeah, ultimately he's just staying in the pocket. Okay, that's what I thought. Oh yeah, yeah. So so like, just as an example, I was looking this up. Stone Temple Pilots were touring with Megadeth in '93. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know like this is a weird see, what that's a weird so weird yeah. yeah it is weird let me see what they were doing before that um uh army ants now we're in the true deep cut area here yeah um there is very little that i want to revisit on this song um mm. it's 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 like it's more tech yep. than they get on the rest of the record which i think is cool but again it's like a lot of these songs to me, they're like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, but this one, and this is, this one is definitely one of those tracks. And ultimately it kind of fades into the background for me. Although yeah. I will say like, I like this. I pro- I think I listened to this record maybe three times for this episode. And mm-hmm. this one, I enjoyed more on the later listens than I did on the first listen. So what I, what I pulled on this song was that they, they kind of, they do, you know, we talk about the loud, quiet thing that you get in a lot of different rock music of the modern era, where it's like, oh, here's a quiet part into the loud part that explodes and then back to the quiet exploding part again. Um, you get that kind of hot, cold, um, playful back and forth in a lot of the songwriting. You get it on this song where it's like this a little bit more. I didn't. I, I said uh, it's not atmospheric, but it's well ventilated. It's well. It's just loose into high energy, back and forth. So it's not. It's not totally soft or quiet, but it's kind of loose and then exploding. Um, they they kind of this one actually. I they 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 show some chops. Um, in the true like big room guitar player way and and the drummer actually shows out on this track a little bit um yeah this is like the only track that he does that yes yes it's like 100 the only track he does that um that said the right length for a stone temple pilot song is right at three minutes yeah they should probably be penalized you have to pay less for every song that's over three minutes um you get like a 10 second window but then after that you have to pay five cents less for every second the song is yeah um yeah i there's some dynamic elements but overall this is just fine not not a not a great song yeah uh and then kitchenware and candy bars So Bob, we've been doing this podcast for together for a while. Mm. What do I like in a closing track? <sighs> um, I like a lot of things. You, well, what I can say is that 
Closing tracks are really important to you, kind of like in a strange way. Yeah. They matter. <laughs> you want it to be good. It, I, I feel as though you want a sense of completion. Yeah. You don't. If you go wacky, you're out. If you go like too static, you're out. If, if sudden, you do not like a sudden stop. No. Like, wait, what the hell happened? You know, like you don't want the uh, trap door uh, last song. Um, you need something that either. Here's how I'll put it. <laughs> you want the last song on a record to close the door and shut out the lights. True. Yeah. I mean, you're 100% correct. The word I was looking for is big. Yes. There we go. Good. I like That's a, a good big closer. Yep. Um, this is a big closer. As a result, yes, it is. I'm in. Um, yo, I for a minute forgot this song existed until I hit the chorus. Yeah. And then I was all in. I was like, oh, I love this song. Um, it's great. There was a time where this was my favorite song on the record because it wasn't one of the hits that I was bludgeoned with, you know? Right, right. Um, it's this album's kind of weirdo ballad. And while in doing this vocal thing that he does later in STP, but you almost never hear him do on this record. And he's he's not crooning, but he's crooning as much as Scott Weiland can at this point in his life. You know, the what I want it, it works really well. Yeah. Um but yeah, I said vacillating between big room grunge and viper room bar and at really is charming to me on this track i mean that but that's the and thing it's symphonic like, it's, stuff on this one right like i love the symphonic stuff yeah but but what you're talking about with like the the borderline kind of snake charmer thing yep. it's like it's just on that line like it's it's almost at that point where there's too much going on and too many oh, yeah. switches oh yeah that like i if this if this wasn't the closer I, don't I may know, have been out. Yeah, I don't know? know where the song fits on the rest of the, on the record, but yeah. it's big enough that it fits well here. Yeah. All right, good. Now, do you want to address the um, the hidden track, my second album? No, who cares? <laughs> I, I, I hate hidden tracks. Um, it's it's very silly. The only reason I remember it is because it would it wasn't super hidden. It's the uh, uh, like um, schmaltzy. My second album. <laughs> and so it's a little silly. Yo, here's yeah. the only thing. The tone doesn't fit the rest of the record at all. It's sort of silly and playful, but maybe should have been a vinyl only hidden track that you really had to work for to get to. Because it that is funny be fun. and playful, but that's, yeah, that's I all mean, there is to it. I mean, in the context of the, I mean, I'm, I'm being kind of flippant, but like in the context of the times, like CDs were somewhat, kind of sort of fairly new ish. So people were still toying around with the idea of it. And I think this was them poking fun at the idea of hidden tracks, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because that's was, that was something that was like really in vogue and they, you know, were just like, this is so stupid. Let's just do some stupid thing. Um, All right. Um, And that's, that's fine. Yes, correct. I want to ask you a quick thing before we move into uh, our kind of final evaluation of this. Um, do you know what the lineup was for the Stone Temple Pilots Purple Tour? No. Obviously, Stone Temple Pilots headlining. Mm-hmm. Supported by 
Meat Puppets. Okay. Red Cross. <laughs> okay. And Jawbox. Wow. What a weird tour that is. What a weird tour that is indeed. Right? Like, wow. We should do a Jawbox record for this show, by the way. I'm um, down. A couple of good ones. Um, Pete, Stone Temple Pilots Purple. Is it too long? Does it drag at all? Yeah, it's a little long. Mm-hmm. It, su- it suffers from a little bit of that 90s bloat that we've talked about in the past. Yep. And I would probably cut two songs, I think. I cut two and maybe even more so than that. There's a couple songs that wank and could use a little bit of editing. Um, yeah. It's overall 46 minutes. If you can get this down to 35, I think you'd feel really good. Yeah, because um, there's hits, man. Yeah, yeah. So, and that 46 does include, it includes the hidden uh, song. So cut that shit. Um, and I mean, on a scale, Vaseline, Interstate Love Song, uh, Pretty Penny, Big Empty, and Unglued were all released as singles. So on an 11 track album, they had five singles. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know Pretty Penny was a single. Yes. Um, and Meat Plow is a notable song from the STP catalog. Definitely still would get play. Uh, Loungefly has the infamous MTV news clip, but otherwise is a forgettable song. Hmm. And as we just talked about, Kitchenware and Candy Bars is a song we really like. So it's like, <laughs> you know, all right. Um, but I agree. There's sections that drag. Album flow. Does it feel disjointed or slapped together at all? I'm mixed on this one. I mean, certain parts of it seem to flow really well, and then other parts don't as well. Um, and it kind of goes along with that same bloat where it's like mm-hmm. if if there are songs here that don't you know belong as much, and then like I mentioned in the past, it's like there are songs that they're they're clearly experimenting with different things. Yep. So that kind of throws it off kilter here and there. So yeah, I mean, it's not. No, the flow's it's not, not great, great on in this that record. department. No, I, yeah. I, 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 we're landing in the exact same spot on this. I don't need to belabor it, but the flow feels very '90s, big label, alternative grunge, whatever you want to call it, where um, they take some risks, but it's almost in the attempt to find more singles. Yeah, uh, and as opposed to having a really concise album, uh, quality of the songs and lyrics. Yeah, I mean, look, the highs on this record are super high, so high, like. Um, Ugh. yeah yeah enough said now here's something timelessness does this exist strictly in a time and place does its influence and impact spread much further um this is in the way that we talk about it uh defining of its time and definitely exists in a time and place makes me think of a time and place i think is reference point for a time and place mm-hmm. i agree i, I mean it, is the, are the songs undeniably still good yeah i think so i think if you put interstate love song on for someone who likes guitar music they'll probably like it um do i think this is was influential tough question i think it was but i think that it it, it, that influence only lasted for a certain period of time yeah very true you're exactly right that's exactly right yeah these guys purple probably set the there was probably you know 
15 lavenders and 10 mauves and, you know, 18 different ripoffs of purple over the next five <laughs> years and yeah. none totally hit. So uh, for better and worse, because I think this also influenced some of the more like butt rock slash active rock that the late 90s and early 2000s um, Correct. came to. So. And that's, that's something that we didn't really mention here, but I think that, yeah, uh, yes, totally on point. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I mentioned this. These guys were the heirs to the Guns N' Roses throne because they were L.A. rocker vibe energy, even though they were not L.A. guys per se. They just carried themselves that way. There was a sleaze rock element. They just kind of had this we're rock and roll superstar celebrities feeling that none of the other grunge bands totally had. And like, look, Scott Weiland passed like seven years ago and it's kind of sad. Um I mean, actually, it's very sad. So not kind of, but very sad. But in the 90s, he was a celebrity, like yeah. big time, like old school style rock star celebrity, which outside of Cobain, who seemed to reject it, Eddie Vedder didn't want to be a celebrity. You know, Scott Weiland was like, yeah, I'm here for it. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the dude with purple hair that everybody's talking about. Let's go. Yeah. You know, yeah, so for um, sure. Wearing the furry coats and all yeah. that. All right. Presentation, artwork, etc. What do you think of this? I actually really like the artwork on this record. And like it's it's weird because it it it's stuck in my brain for some reason. Like even the back cover. Yeah. Like I remember the back cover for some reason. So there's something that was clearly effective for me at least. Um but yeah, I mean, I'm a fan. I think it looks cool. Yeah. Um I think this is their coolest album cover i like it um you know no particular theme to these stp artwork and catalogs kind of all over the place yeah um but that's okay i think this is their best looking record um maybe core maybe a second the back cover of this record is actually much more memorable than the cover to me the 12 gracious melodies like that's Man, yeah. I still remember the CD face. God damn it. This is so That's what funny. I'm saying. Yeah, it's funny. All right. Yeah, I like it even more than I do. And I, yep. All right. Yep. Cool looking record. Um, so with all that said, Pete, out of a raking, rating of one to five stars, where do you put this record? Uh, this one's hard. Let me start. I'm going three and a half. I really like it. The highs are super high. It's probably closer to a four. The highs are so high. It's probably closer to a four. If if somehow we had more rankings um, <laughs> coming soon. Uh, it's closer to a four than a 3.5, but I'm giving it a 3.5 because I don't reach for it as much as I once did. And maybe that's familiarity. I love the songs on it, but up until... Um, kitchenware and candy bars there was no moment of like oh damn this song so um you know i think it's a great record uh but my familiarity isn't isn't giving it too much help in this sake all right i'm with you i'm gonna give it a three though okay i mean the highs are so high um that being said I haven't come back to it for a long time. I think now having revisited it, 
I'm I'm more interested in listening to core again and mm-hmm. and then listening to tiny music I think for the for the first time. So oh, wow. Yeah, I mean cool band, interesting band, weird band. I'm I'm down. I'm here for it. All right. So, will you be adding this to your personal collection? If I saw a repress of this for 20 bucks, I'll buy it. Yeah, I, I'll buy this record. I should. This is a record I should own, especially yeah. if it's on purple vinyl. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is one though that like it's actually nostalgic for me. Like the the highs yes, on this correct. record and the hits. Like it's it's like it's truly like a timepiece. So yeah, there's a funny time capsule element to this one. Hmm. I think this belongs, if it doesn't belong in the Grunge Hall of Fame, it belongs in the t- time capsule of the early 90s. And maybe yeah. at the end of the day, that's even more important. So uh, everybody, go follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, at TraxPod. And please keep up the incredible emails by sending us email to TraxPod at gmail.com. That's all I got, Pete. What do you got? Go listen to Stone Devil Pilots, bro. Later, bro. Later, bro.